Welcome to Sovereign Self, weaving spiritual awakening with the fabric of everyday life. Your host is Zofia Renea Morales. We'll discuss and show you how you can achieve the highest potential in your life through divine wisdom and really live. Now, here is your host, Zofia Renea Morales. Welcome to another episode in Sovereign Self. This is Sophia Renea Morales, and today we are beginning our monthly exercise in gratitude in action. My guest today, Daniel Guido, was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and grew up in a rural community in central Wisconsin. He had a close, a handful, sorry, of close friends and loved his time on his grandparents' farm with his brother and two cousins. He has a civil engineering degree and built railroad tracks during the summers. He met his wife, Chelsea, at a conference during college. She grew up in Texas, but moved to Wisconsin, where they finished their degrees together, got married, and bought their first home, and had their first child. They later moved to Texas, where he now works in the family business doing railroad engineering designs, and his wife is the chief of staff in the home, raising the four children. They are active in their local Christian church, in their community, and in their schools. Their worldview and lives revolve around loving God, their family, their neighbors, and raising their children to start families who will do the same and continue propagating the generational blessings. Thank you, Daniel. I'm so glad to have you with me today. Thanks for having me. You have an infectious smile. Well, thank you. (laughs) And if the live stream on Facebook was working today, everyone would get to see that. (laughs) That's right. I'll just have to wait. It is what it is. They'll just have to catch it next week when Facebook decides to straighten up and fly right. So I was really excited when my producer sent me an email and said, you might want to consider this guy because I was looking for people who represented what I'm calling gratitude in action And I think as this conversation evolves, uh, the listeners will get a better feeling for what I mean by gratitude in action. Um, Sure. Talk to me a little bit about neighboring, because this is kind of where your gratitude in action begins. Right. Well, at the very basic level, it's just how it sounds. Um, Neighboring is about taking care of your actual neighbor's. And that can start with the ones on to the left and to the right of you or across the street. Um, but it shouldn't be so broad as the whole wide world. Whatever yes. you define as your neighborhood and your neighbors are the people that you should be pouring into and you should care about. You should make it your business to know what's going on in their lives. And when something comes along, then you become the tribe that they can rely on. So just like yeah. we do with our family the idea is if you, um, uh, your family's there in your corner when you need them, hopefully, some people, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Well, why wouldn't you extend that tribe and have more people in your circles? Exactly. And I, I love the, the experience of getting to know your neighbors and forming that supportive net. Um, being involved in their lives, however, does not mean being up in their business, right? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that's right. You don't need to be peering over the fence like that. Yeah, yeah. This is not about judging and spreading gossip later. (laughs) That's right. So it's 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 somewhere it's somewhere 
beyond that and uh, not just pushing the garage open and garage closed and waving, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not embarrassed to say we hardly knew our neighbors' names, let alone anything about them, when we started our very intentional neighboring three years ago. And now we know people up and down the street and throughout the neighborhoods and life is just richer. Absolutely. So what inspired you to get started on this really intentional reaching out to your neighbors and Mm -hmm. building an actual neighborhood as opposed to just a a collection of houses? Sure. I I think uh, um, personally, I've always felt pre-wired to do that, but what really sparked it was our church uh, brought in a couple of authors to talk about their book. It was, uh, the book's called Next Door As It Is In Heaven. And um, it doesn't, you don't have to be a Christian to understand the message in that book. The book is talking about how we got to the suburban neighborhood that we have today uh, compared or contrasted against the neighborhood of the 50s or even farther back when you would sit on your front porch and and visit over lemonade or or just leaning on a push mower. I think that's even on their <laughs> cover. They've got one of those old old timey mowers. But My parents had authors, one of those. I have no happy memories of the push mower. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you don't because I've tried one out on the farm years ago. Um, but when they came and talked, it was like a catalyst. I wasn't hearing, I was hearing some new things about how we got there, but I wasn't, um, wasn't necessarily new. Um, I knew that's what we were supposed to do, but it really was like a catalyst that you would put on a fire. Um, it just fired me up and, uh, our family started our, our own very intentional, um, neighboring at that point. That was actually three years ago this month is when we started. Nice. I realized it was this month. (laughs) Uh, What was it that inspired you about that story? Was there one particular place in this description that you kind of saw yourself and and your role in this? Uh, One thing that struck me was they did a little diagram where you put your house in the middle, and then there's a square on either side and across the street behind your house and the corners. And the, the simple question, and it was sort of rhetorical as they were talking to us, was write or think of the name of your neighbor or neighbors in at least the ones on the left and the right of you. You know, we knew those, but that was, that was about it. And that was poignant. Like, we had lived in our house at that point for a um, year and a half, two years, I think, and to not you know, interact beyond a wave that just struck me as silly. Like, but I felt like we kind of walked through life and we have enough on our plates running kids around to sporting events and band and uh, church functions and non uh, things you volunteer for. And it's sort of our, our neighborhood um, topography, if you will, is not set up um, for interactions. Mm-hmm. It used to be you would you would walk to the five and dime right, right. or the gas you'd, you'd be at the gas station and people would congregate or you would um, you'd be walking back from the pharmacy see see a neighbor and we don't have walking neighborhoods anymore yeah no you're <laughs> you're lucky you if out, you've got sidewalks <laughs> yeah right and so 
uh, that was that was pretty poignant just to realize we we didn't even know our neighbors' names, let alone let alone know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the whole automated garage door thing—you don't even have to get out of your car to get into your house nowadays. No, that's true. Really reduces the opportunity to just happen into people. I found that mm-hmm. once we got our dog, that was extremely helpful in terms of like forcing me out of the house and out into the world. Sure. <laughs> right. Well, and, and our, I mean, I don't know about your neighborhood, but our, our homes are beautiful homes here. Um, the front yard looks nice. It's got typical driveway. Um, but in the back, you've got your fenced in little cloistered, uh, quieter area. And I think that, um, people just tend to hang out in the backyard and nothing inherently wrong with that, obviously. But if you want to be intentional, if you, if you value interacting with your neighbors, you got to be out in front. And so we, that was, that was, that was an intentional move too. Absolutely. So what was it you decided to do next after you had this poignant moment where you realized I've been here two and a half years and I hardly know the names of the people to the left and right of me, let alone anyone else? (laughs) I remember exactly. I went into the garage and took our perfectly good seed or um, what do you call it? Spreader. Spreader. You know, you push Mm -hmm. it around. Yeah. I, 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 I put the trash cans at the curb and I unceremoniously plopped it on top of the trash can and I took a photo of it and I put that photo on my phone. And the idea was um, now I'm forced to meet one of my neighbors when I need to use it on the lawn. And I've got this visual staring at me every time I open my phone that I'm going to make an intentional leadership move for my family. We're going to start neighboring and it's sort of a burn the ships. I Mm -hmm. burned the first ship. And, um, if <laughs> bye it, if bye it failed, seed I'd, spreader. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd be out 30 bucks. I'd go buy a new one. So, yeah, exactly. Skin in the game. It's that, a little really skin. Was, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, start small. But that it really was intentional for me. And, um, the, the next thing we did after that was, uh, started the Parkland bike game, hmm. which is, um, it's a, it was nothing more than getting the neighborhood kids together on our street cul-de-sac and we rode bikes together. And when we, uh, we'd stop at the park and play. And when we got back, we'd have snack and that was it. And the kids loved it. But the, I love my BMX bike growing up, spent a lot of time running around the neighborhood. That was a freedom. And, uh, I think we have it in our heads that it's not safe for kids to ride bikes around anymore. And I would argue if you're talking about riding by yourself, that's a pretty good argument. But if you send your kid out with one or two other kids, I think they're perfectly safe. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, so that's a, that's a freedom to move around the neighborhood a little bit more, which is should obviously lead to some more kid interactions. And the thought was I'm going to meet their parents too. Oh, sure. So, yeah. Because they're not going to send their kid off with some random guy. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So that was, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know all it would become, but um, I definitely felt confident that at the very least, we're going to get together and ride bikes and that's going to be fun. The kids will enjoy it. And I'll enjoy it. We'll make some new playmates. 
And so how often did you do that starting out? Well, the kids absolutely loved it and wanted to know when the next ride was going to be immediately <laughs> when we finished. Exactly. So, Can we go tomorrow again? <laughs> I think we did. Um, we were riding uh, at least once a week. And uh, eventually, we, because of sports and other things, life, um, eventually we kind of settled into once every two or three weeks to this day. So we've been doing that for three years. Um, and another big, uh, I guess, eye opener. I remember meeting one of our gangsters down the street a little ways and she was with a friend and her friend was on a bike. So I stopped by and, and asked her if she had a bike and she said, yes. And I said, why aren't, why aren't you riding it? And she said, it's at my dad's. And I thought, Oh, yeah, of course, like, you know, I'm a child of divorce. Um, yeah. I wasn't thinking like that. And so uh, it dawned on me, she needs two bikes. Yep. Parents aren't going to necessarily think of that. They're not necessarily going to have that kind of money. And that was part of the start of us repairing bikes for free and giving bikes away for free. And so it, we've been doing that for nearly three years and have given away, oh, oh, repaired and or given away over 600 bikes at this point. And there are some kids that need more than one bike. You know, they may stay with their grandmother part of the time and uh, be at home the other the other part of the time. So that's get, that's given some more mobility. I would uh, I would love to dig into that and unpack that a little bit further because if if you think inside the box, that could get expensive in a hurry. But I think you had some creative mm -hmm. solutions for how you managed to give away a whole bunch of bikes without putting yourself in, in bikeruptcy. <laughs> I like that. Um, you're right. Um, it could. Um, thankfully, the bikes are all uh, donated. And some of the bikes are, are pretty ratty. And we just part them out. So we put the parts on the shelf. And, um, uh, you know, about the only thing we spend money on is the bike tubes and we've got volunteer mechanics. There's a good handful of them now. Um, these are amateur bike mechanics. Our head mechanic Dexter is actually a Texas BMX hall of fame, uh, BMX racer still racing. And he's worked on countless bikes. I had a neighbor, uh, kid Seth over last night and he tore down three bikes in less than an hour. So um, uh, we've got someone who uh, has been providing a storage unit for some of the bikes. We set up a second shop there. So we just call on the neighborhood when we need something. And once we, once we got, uh, got that started uh, in three years, we've, we've hardly had an expense. You know, there's mm -hmm. just always some money meeting a need. That's wonderful. What, where was the first bike that you got donated to you? What, what did that, how did that come to you? I don't remember anymore, to be honest. I can't remember. I, I, I could probably find it in my list. I do have a list. Um, you know, it occurred to me early on that I want to be accountable. Plus, you got to be organized. I mean, if you get 10 people that need bikes, you want to get them out in order. They come in as much yeah. as possible, right? <laughs> Exactly, um, exactly. I could probably um, go back and figure it out. Yeah, what, what are some of the common places you get them donated from? Just to give some people some so, thoughts. Um, yeah, so uh, we put together a Facebook group page to post for the rides. 
And then um, uh, we would just ask the, uh, like nextdoor.com is an app we use. We um, post in the free cycle type webs uh, or Facebook groups mm-hmm. where uh, people will just give things away for free. And just ask neighbors to keep an eye out on bulk trash day. And so sure. at some point, there's enough of the neighborhood that knows what we're doing. We don't really have to ask for bikes anymore. Yeah, just, they, uh, they know. Keep an eye they out see it. <laughs> and they go, this right. is going over to Guido's house. <laughs> yep. That and, is uh, awesome. And sometimes it overflows the garage, and, but I'm not divorced yet. <laughs> <laughs> Good thing you got that space donated. <laughs> That's right. Helps me stay married. Uh, yeah, that's the beautiful thing. We do want you to stay married. Neighborhood is good, but family is better. <laughs> Indeed. So what have been some of the, the ripple effects that have come out of this initial, let's just get the kids together oh. and ride bikes? I mean, I know you didn't even have a name sure. when you started, right? It's true. Um, at this, uh, I-, I could talk forever about the ripple effects. It's um once we started getting to know our neighbors, everyday things popped up. Somebody had an apartment fire and our neighborhood fully furnished that apartment in less than 48 hours. And I'm talking major appliances, beds, clothing, toys, anything you can think of, kitchen stuff, toilet paper. That's, that's a good example of okay. what you can get done. I, I'm going to pause you right here. I want to hear more about the ripple effects, sure. but first we have to take a little bit of a commercial break. And I'd like to thank everybody out there who's listening to us now and ask you to hang in to hear about some of the more wonderful ripple effects that came out of this small action of just organizing the kids to ride bikes. If you would like to continue this conversation with me, or if you have ideas that you would like to be able to share or questions about how to make this happen in your world, you can find me on Facebook. I am Zofia Renea, that's Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A. And hang in there. We will be right back after the break. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel be sure to friend us on facebook you can do it right now visit facebook.com forward slash voice america or search for us at keyword voice america 
We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for staying with us through the break. This is Sophia Renea Morales. We are here talking to Daniel Guido about creating the neighborhood that you want to live in within your own existing neighborhood. And before we went on break, he was sharing some of the ripple effects that occurred in his own neighborhood from this simple act of reaching out and organizing the kids to go on bike rides. Um, What were some of the other things that you saw happen within your own neighborhood as a result of you getting to know the parents and the parents of the kids getting to know each other? Yeah, um, I would say in summary, there's just more opportunities to connect. Um, And it can be something as simple as being locked out of your house. Um, It's late. It's not like you can get a locksmith. Yep, and Um, it's known to happen. I've I've done it to myself a few times. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, so what ended up happening is, um, you can't, you can't, this is the part of, of neighboring that you don't plan. Once you make the connections and kind of set it in motion, then it's going to be, it's going to be a different experience for everybody. Um, I can, I, I really feel like the amount of communication, um, whether it's, person to person or via social media uh, channels has increased considerably. Um, There's definitely, it's almost not a day where we don't interact with in front of our house and it just becomes uh, a feeling of more uh, of a more safe and rich neighborhood. Um, We've hosted some get togethers at our house, just old fashioned potlucks. Um, everybody brings something BYOB, uh, you know, the kids can terrorize the yard and the adults can hang out and have adult conversation. Um, that's been great that, that, um, turned into hosting or co-hosting national night out, which is, uh, as it sounds a national, uh, event where the idea is to get out and meet neighbors and, uh, maybe your neighborhood police officer, um, and when when is National Night Out? So I think it's in the summer, maybe everywhere except down here because of the heat. <laughs> Ours is uh, like the first day in October. Oh, nice. I think it is. The first Tuesday in October. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a great night to um, close off one of the cul-de-sacs or a portion of your street. Um, you can keep it simple, have some games to play play some music, everybody brings a dish and, uh, and you, you really have time to just chat a couple hours doing that. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. So what else have you seen come out of this? I know the beautiful thing in your case is it 
it didn't just change your neighborhood, but it changed several other neighborhoods. So tell me a little bit about the growth yeah. of this movement. Right. So the bike gang itself uh, has grown. There are now two other chapters. There's one called the Barksdale Bike Gang in Heritage Neighborhood. And just recently, a third chapter started on the south side of Fort Worth. This, Fort Worth's a really big city, and um, the opportunities are just huge. Uh, and it doesn't, you know, bike bikes is our thing. Um, everybody's got a thing. I think that the, I hope folks take that away. There's nothing special about us. Um, and it doesn't have to be bikes, but whatever your hobby is, if you can just extend that a little bit and invite your neighbors, you can do the, you can do the same thing and, um, build around that. Um, so yeah, it's growing a little bit. And, um, one of the ways we have, I guess this is another need that came along, um, that has helped, uh, we, realized or uh, ran into a person that needed a vehicle pretty common um the system is just not set up very well for that uh, i mean if you, you i guess needed, if you, like didn't have a car or temporarily didn't have a car what do you mean by needed a vehicle uh uh their car was broken down and um they didn't have like a dealership they could go to and get a loaner um sure you can't you can't rent one for a long enough time to get it repaired so um <laughs> yeah especially we, if it's anything more than an oil change right <laughs> yeah exactly so we we um we started maintaining a, an extra car called a neighborhood car or neighborhood car and it was we kept it insured and inspected and safe and just loaned it out to that person and after that um, another need came on and on again. And so now we have, we maintain three neighborhood cars and, um, try to keep them all loaned out. There's usually more need than we have, uh, vehicles available. But again, um, at one point we needed another vehicle, didn't have one. And I put out the APB and we had, um, a neighbor share the post. And someone in an entirely different area of Fort Worth um, volunteered uh, to lend their car and wow. filled that need within, I think it was within 24 hours. A single mom um, with kids needed to get out of a bad situation and fast. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like a bridging, really. Uh, she's fine. And she, she, she will, you know, when that happens, that person will overcome but the question is at what expense? So yes. if they get out fast, maybe they lose their stuff. That's replaceable. But what if they move, what if they lose their job because they can't get to work or can't get to work reliably on time? Yeah. So the idea is to bridge that gap um, and let them concentrate on back on their feet. And so that's that's what happened. And then that family went on to uh, maintain that vehicle as a neighboring car so again it's 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 spreading a little bit that's wonderful and i know there are probably people out there listening to this going what is this man made of money so i'd like it <laughs> if you could unpack the neighborhood car sure. thing a little bit more in practical terms yes <laughs> right find somebody that's halfway mechanical and they'll help you find a car 
for a thousand bucks. And um, as far as the insurance goes, we started doing the safe driving app, which saved money, which offset the extra cost of insurance. And every state's different, but in Texas, we just figured out what the minimums are that would protect uh, you know, the driver, protect the vehicle. And, you know, you can really, in, in any, in any of this stuff, you're going to take more risk than Joe, you know, the normal Joe. And you have to be intentional and decide what's most important to you. Um, if you're a fairly conservative person, this may not work for you. But, um, I was at the DMV today and saw even a motivational poster that said, Take more risk. Take more risk. <laughs> if, if the DMV has a, a, a motivational poster saying take more risk, maybe we should take more risk. But, um, <laughs> uh, you know, p- p- part of our family budget goes to do that. And again, that's one of the, ma- that's one of the things we're doing. It might work for someone else, another listener. But um, if, if, if you don't have the finances to do something like that, then think about what you do have. I mean, you've got money's one way, but your talents and your time are another. There's so many things you can do in your city. I don't need to know where you live, um, but you got to put the work in to think about what you're good at, what you like to do. And I believe um, if you've got, um, if you just follow your compass and look at what you have for assets, you'll come up with something. Yeah, well, and I think it's important to remember that the whole point here is community and a, what do I say, a, a pooling of resources for the communal good. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't necess- you don't necessarily have to be the one that necessarily purchases and maintains the car. It might be someone exactly. else who does that, but maybe you're the one that organizes who has the car when, right? It's right on. Uh, there's a young man, a uh, friend of ours, um, some mobile mechanic work. And I, uh, I think it was his uh, fiance at the time who heard about what we were doing. And I don't know if she asked or just offered him up, but she connected <laughs> us. He got volunteered, I promise you. <laughs> or voluntold, as they say. Voluntold, yes. <laughs> yeah. You want to get married? And, um, but you know, he volunteered and he's worked on the cars and I made it clear. Like if you're working on my car, I'm, it's a paying job. If you want to volunteer time to work on the neighborhood cars, that's just great. Uh, Another cool example. um, uh, My church moved into our neighborhood recently and building and grounds needed some work. We rented a stump grinder. Uh, I went to pick it up and it's about like 120 bucks to get it for four hours. Yeah. Popped it head. Um, why don't I just rent it for four hours? And when we finish, I'll go see if anybody in the neighborhood has a stump to grind. Because if you think about it, how many people have one ugly little stump somewhere in the yard that they've been going around for 20 years because they can't bring themselves $20 for a half hour of work yeah. and they don't have the wherewithal to hack at it for. 30 minutes to try and get it out with some crude No, tools. It, it, it will take more than 30 minutes. I have one of those in my backyard. <laughs> and it's not What's very big. <laughs> but, I mean, Arizona in the summertime, you know, after 15 minutes yeah. of hacking it, that thing is like, no, I'm, I'm done. 
And I think you're even hotter than we are here. Um, but so that day, um, I raced around and I think was able to grind eight or nine neighbor neighbors worth of, uh, tree stumps. And, uh, the next thought that popped into my head was, well, what if we just coordinate, we could probably spend a long Saturday and do tons of, you know, a couple of, uh, sets of hands and, uh, everybody just chip in five bucks or whatever. Yeah. And then and, and we'll no go get done. A, yeah, we'll just do it as a as a as a neighborly thing. You know, you provide the lemonade and or water bottles or whatever, and uh, we'll have the, some young people, young backs volunteer and um, make a route, and everybody will get rid of that ugly uh, thing out of their yard. They don't have to go figure out how to haul this stump grinder or run, rent a trailer. They don't have to touch the the thing at all. Um, have to deal with gasoline, just chip in a little bit. And, um, what an easy, what an easy way on a Saturday for some kids to make some community service hours or, or the, you know, learn the message that you don't have to be smart and have, talent, you have to have money. You can be a grunt laborer and help out around here. Well, yeah, and I think there's a lot of valuable lessons that get learned when you're breaking down bikes and rebuilding and changing spark plugs on the community car or the oil on the community car. These are valuable life skills that aren't taught in school anymore. And as a matter of fact, many parents (laughs) my age and younger didn't get these experiences growing up because it wasn't taught in school. Their parents, you know, had gotten to the point they were having Mm -hmm. it hired out. And so this is a really amazing way to bring some of these skills back current into our, our vocabulary. So we're not at, I want to say not at the mercy of service providers. (laughs) Right. Right. Even, even um, finding that a lot of kids end up growing up and don't necessarily uh, learn how to ride a bike till a little bit later and you get to a point where maybe they're embarrassed or the parents don't know how to teach a seven, a nine, a 12 year old, how to ride a bike. And we can, uh, we're, we have not had time to do that, but in 2020, it's one of the things on my heart is to, um, make a fun event where it's okay to feel weird and we'll make it silly. So it'll be safe and it'll feel fun and funny to be there with a bunch of people learning at the same time, including adults. There's a a woman we just finished a bike for and um, she was bold enough to say, yeah, I'd love to have a bike, but I don't know how to ride. Never learned. And it's never, of course, everybody knows it's never too late to learn. (laughs) And once you learn, you don't forget. That's right. It's a skill you have with of any age. I'll I'll tell you that that, um, I realize it's pretty abnormal um, thinking. I guess I assume it's pretty abnormal thinking some of the stuff that that we do in our family and in our circles. Um, But I think, you know, in a sense, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take some disruptive thinking, and it actually feels pretty refreshing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, one of the things I'm really tickled about is um, the city of Fort Worth is is getting behind us um, oh, nice. and helping. 
um, at one point I took a load of scrap to the uh, city drop-off place uh, uh, station and I saw dozens of bikes lined up. Of course, I was drooling immediately. I'm going to get these bikes. <laughs> I right. want these bikes, yes. <laughs> get, more, yeah, get more kids ro- and families rolling. Um, but in the, the cities, uh, I went through the upper channels, talked to my councilman, asked about the bikes and all of that. And at the end of the road, it was uh, very polite. We'd love to help you out. Um, what you're doing is cool, but um, there are liability issues with that. You know, if you bike away, uh, they'll sue you. And if somebody gets hurt, they'll sue you and then sue the city because we gave you the bikes. Bikes, blah, blah, blah. By the way, who, it's great what you're doing, but what if the next person wants bikes? We can't just give them to you. It's a city, I mean, 16th largest city in the U.S. or something like that. Yeah. Um, I could have stopped there. But, again, uh that just didn't seem right. Like, okay, those are really valid, val- uh, valid arguments, but let's just be smarter. Let's come yeah. up with something, work exactly. together, and knock down those obstacles. I, I want to hear how you knock down those obstacles because bureaucracy can be a real bear sometimes. But it is time for us to take a quick break. So we will unpack that. When we get back from the break, if you are over on LinkedIn, you can find me at Zofia Renea Morales. That's Z-O-F-I-A-R-E-N-N-E-A-M-O-R-A-L-E-S. Hang with us and we will be right back. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. There's a new force to be reckoned with in talk radio. It's not just talk radio. Hosted by LaTanya Jr. and co-host Tina Wynn and Tony Brown. Not Just Talk Radio is like a superhero. Inspiring, problem-solving, and informing. Packed with action-provoking conversations from news, movements, and social and politics issues. This program is about a wide range of voices and fresh points of view from experts, celebrities, and you, the listener. Not Just Talk Radio is broadcast live Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Sovereign Self. 
with Sophia Renea Morales. We'd love to hear from you on the show today. Call in to 1-866-472-5795. Again, that's 1-866-472-5795. Or if you'd prefer, send an email to asksophia at transformationspace.co. Now, back to Sovereign Self. Thank you for hanging in with us through the break. This is Sophia Renee Morales. I'm here with Daniel Guido, and we were talking about how he took on the bureaucracy of Fort Worth <laughs> and van- and vanquished. <laughs> that sounds insidious, way. It is sort of insidious, but in the nicest, most neighborly possible way. <laughs> and that's that's how we were working on it too. So uh, tell tell us how you. Uh, worked through their perfectly valid issues? Sure. Um, I applied gentle pressure with the help of the newspaper. Ah. Uh, um, I I actually reached out to the newspaper man asking um, for, really for advice. I wanted to brainstorm. I I figured he was fairly well connected and maybe had seen people navigate this and the op-ed editor and he wrote an article um, uh, just about what we're trying to do. And uh, I just, one request, I just, you know, I said, please, the, the city's not the enemy. You know, they, they, I think are willing, they don't know what to do. This is a weird yeah. request. Yeah. They, I, they I need a way to, to be able to step forward with integrity and save right. a little bit of face as well. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I, I don't want to diminish their concerns. I just, what else do you do once you get an official no? And so the idea was, you know, I'm going to keep it friendly, please. But, you know, you're a journalist, you'll do your thing. And uh, they, they came over during one of our wrench events where we were repairing bikes and um, did a little video and an article. And once it was in the public eye, the neighborhood got in our corner. They were, already, they were always in our corner, but we hadn't, um, you know, broadcast that we were going after the supply of bikes. And uh, they came out in force, and I'm happy to say councilman, um, or city councilman, um, said, you know, we're going to have to take a look at it. And then uh, I don't even have their, um, our facey tweets, they're called. <laughs> um, but uh, someone forwarded me uh, something our uh, wonderful mayor uh, uh, tweeted that she was going to... Uh, Basically, get this, the city needed to get out of our way and give us the bikes. There you go. And so uh, that turned in, that turned into a meeting where we sat and talked about the the issues that we had to work through, and it's going in a very positive direction. Um, I think with any luck, I'm I'm guarded guardedly enthusiastic that we're going to come through. Uh, maybe um, early uh, end of the year, early next year, and if we're successful. Uh, in addition to, you know, the pace of 200 bikes a year that we've been able to repair and or give away, um, this would mean 900 bikes wow. a year. That's a really we, real spreading of impact. Yeah. Exactly. And we, with that kind of um, energy behind it and just sheer bikes, and now that we've got three gang chapters, the possible fourth one starting on the west side of Fort Worth, now we've got new problems and they're big problems and that's logistics and making sure we're inclusive. Right. You know, we, 
I've got, I've got, uh, my, my heart is really, um, uh, for kids in apartment complexes. Mm-hmm. Um, I've interacted with some of them twice. We've done bike giveaways, uh, thanks to a wonderful woman who works at a couple of the apartment complexes, organizing events for the kids, uh, especially in during the hot months where they're stuck indoors. She yeah. gets them out and they do uh, water gun fights and snow cones. We partnered up with her and gave away 20 bikes at each of two complexes and um, you know, brought a um, couple of bike mechanics with me. That was some of the most fun we've had doing what we do. Every smile is really precious. Um, and those are our trophies. But when you get to get 20 smiles in one fail swoop, yeah, that's, uh, that's an just, awesome day. <laughs> blow your socks off. That is an awesome day. I love the fact that you you reach even beyond the kids and you're concerned with helping parents uh, kind of bridge that gap between like formalized government support and, you know, being fully autonomous. There's this cliff that happens. I got acquainted with this cliff when I was in mortgage and community development work. And it, mm-hmm. there's a real hurdle that you have to jump in order to get off of assistance and into a job. Right. Um, and if you don't jump far enough, it's more disastrous than not trying to jump at all. And I love that mm-hmm. you guys have found ways to work with people to begin to bridge that gap. The community car is one of them. Um, one of the other things that I noticed, and I'm just going to share a quick story as an aside here. When I was doing the community development work, I worked with a number of different um, neighborhoods in town that were considered the dangerous parts of town. Um, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't tell my husband they were dangerous until later. <laughs> but one of the beautiful and amazing things that we saw as we were helping people get into their own homes um, at this lower income level was as you had more people who had that pride of ownership moving into the neighborhood uh, and, you know, changing the burned out light bulbs and fixing the broken windows, the more the people Mm -hmm. who were already in the neighborhood remembered what it was like to be part of an engaged community and would begin working on their own homes and changing their own light bulbs and doing the things that help to lift the neighborhood. And it's, it never ceases to amaze me the difference that it makes doing that little bit of really visible maintenance. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hardly cost anything. What does it cost you to change a light bulb? Hardly anything, right. a buck, a buck and a quarter. But it makes such a difference to have that working light bulb in your house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, oh. that's a that's a great point. Um, it's the ripple effects people, of the little things. I, that's that's what I was searching for the words. Um, starting small, just your your little thing is actually you know bigger than you just just getting it off the ground. There's a young man in our neighborhood named Colton who his every year in October they do socktober, socktober? and they collect 
<laughs> they collect socks for the homeless. Nice. And um, I mean, it's not incredibly hard to do. Use social media, spread the word, be faithful to, um, you know, um, the socks and actually get them distributed. There's another neighbor that uh, collected blankets and um, large towels for the, the city's animal shelter. Because when it gets cold here, you know, we're not used to a lot of cold. When it gets cold, it gets cold. And those dogs need, um, they need to go through them fast. And so I just, like you said, whether it's just a little clean, little neighborhood cleanup, you know, cleaning up the trash in the green belt, putting in light bulbs, whatever. If you think you're going to set out to change the world, that can sound pretty intimidating. If you think you're going to do your little part in your neighborhood, that's not so intimidating. But what do you think it looks like to change the world? <laughs> yeah, it you know? changes the world. It, I mean, you, you took a, a bunch of kids in your neighborhood for a bike ride. And now you have this program where you're giving out bikes. Um, you've got neighborhoods who are emulating you. There's a, the Lend-A-Car program. You've helped people completely refurnish their homes after disasters uninsured disasters i mean that's like the worst situation mm -hmm. you can be in when you're at the lower income levels and to be able to put somebody back on their feet within a weekend just amazing yeah. uh, that really blows me away and it's not like a one-time thing um we have seen that happen over and over where you um I, and that I mean, the demonstrates the importance of getting to know your neighbors and and also social media. I mean, I was so tired of of Facebook and everything else um, five years ago. And now I couldn't. We can't do what we do without it. Mm -hmm. um, what, what my wife work, you know, her kingdom work, um, the things we do um, with the bike gang. You just can't. You can't function more without it. There's not a public square where you staple your things to the your notice yeah <laughs> yeah it doesn't work that way well and i i think if you get caught stapling your stuff to light posts there's actually a fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i can talk to the mayor for you thank you um, it's good to know someone <laughs> has an in <laughs> yeah so tell She's me so about cool. she came out and did a she came out and did a, she does these rolling town halls rolling oh, nice. town halls she does caffeinated town halls she came out and did a joint ride with us this weekend and surprised us with a check for $100 to help us nice. buy bike tubes or whatever we need to keep the gang going. That's awesome. It was a really neat surprise. That is really awesome. So what else do you have going on? What are some of the other things that you've seen and done in your neighborhood? We got like oh. four minutes left. So Sure. We, I hope we're just getting started. Um, I, I really uh, feel a pull to try something in this space of um, socializing with homeless and indigent people. Um, you know, they know where to get a meal. They know where to get clothes. Mm -hmm. Thanks to Colton, they know where to get socks. But uh, have you ever, you know, just hung out with a person on the street or um, sit down and smoke a cigarette with them? Just, spending time with them and listening and talking. I mean, they want to interact. The lonely loneliness really sucks. Sure, it's got to be extremely lonely. 
So in my mind's eye, it's about bringing some board games down there and some music, some chairs and tables, and uh, doing nothing more than socializing. No other agenda except kill some time, hang out. Those are neighbors, too. They're not right down your street, maybe, but they're neighbors. Um, and I'll share with you something that we did that was really a lot of fun. Uh, we once took 400 of our neighbors on a train ride here and forth. We called it the Neighborhood Express. We have this wonderful um, excursion train here called the Grapevine Bridge Railroad. It's a little, it can be a little uh, pricey for many families, especially if you've got five kids and grandma, mm-hmm. you know, with you. Um, so uh, long story short, we uh, did fundraising from local businesses and got the ticket price down to uh, $5. Yes. And uh, we chartered the whole train and, and took um, 400 um, of our neighbors on a ride together and just, uh, had a chance to be stuck together. You had to, you had to visit a neighbor. You were stuck sitting next to him. Because <laughs> you're riding on the train. You're not getting away from him. <laughs> That's right. That's also wonderful. organized a, a, neighborhood, a neighborhood bar for kids. Cool. You know, so place, tell me about that. Place. You're not getting the youngsters drunk, for- are you now? <laughs> well, drunk on sugar, I'm afraid. Yeah, we. Uh, the idea is... Um, Alcohol, social use of alcohol, having a beer after work, that is not a bad thing. Like on wine, it, it created another place. I think Starbucks used that term, that term uh, place or third place or whatever. Uh, it used to be the neighborhood pub. You'd have a couple of beers um, and, and then head home. And so we do that for the kids. We, we make sugary drinks. It's a two drink maximum, and all parents have to be accompanied by minors and uh, we send them home <laughs> sugared up that's a lot of fun so you you look a little old to be here where's your child <laughs> yeah right i need some id that's funny so, so we'll I, try some more goofy things like that in the years to come you've had some clever names for some of this stuff what are you calling your bar your your kid bar. I have I I am blanking. So if you've got an idea, or if your listeners have ideas, I would love to hear them. I've just got nothing. I love the idea of Cheers, right? The old, the old sitcom, um, but I've got nothing. Help me out. <laughs> name our cheer, bar. Name our kids cheer bar. Eos. <laughs> no, that's not bad. I'll have to look into the trademarking situation. I, I'm sure the uh, I'm sure the listeners have a. More creative and probably less trademarked ideas out there. So, if you've got an idea that you would like to share with Daniel Guido, you can email it to me at askzofia. That's a s k z o f i a at transformationspace.co, and um, I will forward that to him. Thank you so much for being would, my guest today. Thank you very much. I would love to hear other stories of how people are building the neighborhood they want to live in too. Absolutely. I, I think the cross-pollination of ideas and concepts is a really valuable thing because we Thanks all see me. outside the box other ways. You are so welcome. It's been a pleasure. And all of you out there in listener land love you and appreciate you so much. You make this the amazing show that it is. And uh, come back and see us next week. Until then, live soul first.
Thank you for being a part of our program this week. Sovereign Self can be heard live every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Please join host Sophia Renea Morales again next week, right here 